BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostest, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I am incredibly excited to introduce to you. I don't even feel like I'm introducing because you probably know these two already. You're going to recognize their voices. I have Krista and Lindsay here from Almost 30 podcast. Guys, thank you so much for coming. Oh my God. This so, is an honor. It's truly an it honor. Really One is of an our honor. faves and... Yeah, we could have even just talked to you one-on-one for this entire time, but I'm so excited. I know, we already kind of were, and I was like, right, we got a podcast. This is, a, <laughs> this is what we came to do. But I got to be honest with you guys, you guys are like, you're kind of giants in the podcast space. I was listening to your stuff this morning, and I was like, chill my voice down for you guys. You guys have the most therapeutic voices on podcasts that I've ever, like literally I felt like I was in a yoga meditation. Oh, it was incredible. Thank we you. like to put yeah. people in trances, like put them close to sleep. It's like <laughs> something we're really good at. I'm so blown away. Oh. It was just like so nice and so soon. And, and that's what you guys do. How many episodes in are you now? We're about 350 episodes in. 2016. And now I read something that you actually started in your closet. I was actually talking in my stories today about podcasting and realizing that like, probably there's a lot of people like me that really didn't feel worthy of the space who kind of felt like, why me? What do I have to offer this world? I don't even know how to get started. I don't even know how to do this thing. And you kind of get to surprise yourself and you get to realize that everyone has worth and everyone has an opportunity to do something. We know now, you know, one of my friends has a really high performing podcast and she started by recording on an iPhone, like just literally sitting in her car recording on an iPhone. And when I read that about your story, it was so easy to be initially so intimidated by you guys because I see like these download numbers and these years of work. And I'm like, I'm just a baby here. But then at the moment I read, you started in your closet. I was like, no, everyone has that. Everyone has that beginning thing. So I'd love to kind of hear from you guys how this all started for you and, you know, how it's come to be what it is now. Yeah. So, you know, Almost 30 started when Lindsay and I first met. I was actually auditioning to be a soul cycle instructor. I was living in New oh, York City. Bless. 
I know, bless. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I was doing all the things. I was like, this is what I want to do. This is like my calling. I tried to manifest it. I thought it was like my thing while I was working in the corporate world, you know? So I was like doing that on the side. And I auditioned in New York City. I didn't get it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to audition again. I'm going to try for this. And what made me really not get the audition the first time was when I was on the microphone. So I got on the microphone in front of the people and it was so uncomfortable. Oh my God. I got the mic on and it was like, everyone was like, I'm like, (laughs) such a loser. And so I obviously didn't get it, but I started to get vocal lessons. So I got vocal lessons for over a year living in New York City. And when I decided to move to Los Angeles, because I thought I'd have a better chance, I got introduced to Lindsay, who was a Soul Cycle instructor there. So she helped me with my second audition, which I didn't get. <laughs> so two times failures. And I was like gutted. I was devastated. I thought this was like my out. I was sick of the corporate world. I felt like I didn't fit in. I felt like nothing I was doing mattered. I felt so lost and I wanted to find my calling. So when I met Lindsay, I was really going through it. You know, I thought this was meant for me. I tried everything. I was getting lessons. And at that time, I was like also losing weight. I was also going to all these classes, just doing everything that I could to do this job that I thought was for me. So when I met Lindsay, you know, I was heartbroken and gutted. She was a soul cycle instructor and she was going through her own transitions too, you know, outside of relationships. She's acting, she's doing all these things. And we realized like life is not as easy as we thought when we're older. And you know, I thought I would be married with kids and I thought I'd have all the answers. And I thought like I'd be doing a job that I loved and I thought I'd love my body. And all these questions that we had were not answered and we felt almost more lost than ever. And so, you know, in these really deep, meaningful conversations that we had, we're like, you know, could we do a podcast? You know, I loved podcasting for years. I was like on the train in New York City listening to podcasts for five years before podcasting was even big because I loved learning so, so much. And Lindsay was down. She's like, yeah, I'd love to do it. And so we were like, okay, let's do this. I wasn't working at the time. I had quit my job to pursue blogging full-time unsuccessfully, got myself in a bunch of debt. Um, But we were able to record because I had more free time and she had time in between classes. So for seven months, we recorded on my closet floors, or closet floors in random like like shared office spaces on the ground like we would call our friends and have them act like they were our guests like it was hilarious and such a joke but for 7 months we recorded crap on our closet floors and then we put it out and then we recorded our closet floors for you know a couple months after until we figured out how to have nice microphones and all these things. But really, it was started out of a really low time for both of us where we wanted to feel less alone. And that's really been the genesis of Almost 30 is helping people feel less alone in all their evolutions of life. And I love that you kind of put that because you talk a lot about transitions and the fact that like that's kind of what it was birthed out of is this feeling of transition in life. And I can't help but relate to the fact that even though I did the kids and married thing in my 20s, I constantly sought out the adults. There's a joke of that meme where it's like, where's the adult or adult? That's how I felt. Like, why am I never getting there? Why am I never good enough? Why is it never this, never that? And I ended up at 30. I don't know how old you guys are now, but at 30, I ended up moving back home with my parents and having to completely restart my life. And in listening to your podcast, I find it so refreshing because even though it's called almost 30, it's just about that transition period and almost that realization of thought we would get to a point. And we all kind of got there and got slapped in the face with like, 
oh no, like this is real life is actually incredibly different. Now it also makes a lot of sense to me why you both have like these smooth soul cycle voices. Now I'm like, <laughs> mine's lessons, baby. I've got my annoying Midwest thing that I had to get rid of, but it's truly the vocal lessons. Wow. Eh? And so Lindsay, you went from doing the soul cycle doing into this. How long was it before the podcast? You realized like, this is, this is happening. Like this is a thing. Yeah. It was so interesting. The first, I would say like eight months of the pod Krista and I were showing up every single day for this thing. And it was the first time in my life that I was like really showing up for something. And I was so passionate about it. There was not one moment where she and I looked at each other and we're like, we're out. You know, it was always just calling us and pulling us to something greater. And it just felt, and we we kind of know this now, but that almost 30 is like this entity that found us. And so we just kept serving it and listening to it. You know, I think about a year in as the community grew and, you know, people started giving us, you know, feedback about the podcast, like this episode changed my life. And just having those one-on-one conversations with people for me really like made me understand the importance of the conversations we were having. And I never thought that I could be myself and create something impactful and successful. I grew up wanting to be a Broadway star. So really always, you know, reading from someone else's script, which is beautiful. And I and I love that industry as well. But it's just something special to be able to show up, be yourself, and have people receive you as you are and be impacted mm-hmm. by, you know, the honest sharing that we were doing. So yeah, I think I think a year into it, it just became very, very real. Very real. I have to say, like a lot of your content is actually life translatable. Like it's, you don't really listen to it and you're like, oh, that was cute. And you know, those are fun too. I feel like sometimes we need those spaces, but like, I think a lot of times we listen to podcasts and it's just like, it's almost like you're just listening to girlfriends chat and you really need that. feels like an escape. But with yours, it feels like you're taking away tools, like every time tools. But there's this one thing that I really liked and that was life edits, life editing. The one that I really pulled from when we were, I had like a different list of things was one big one would be toxic friendships. And I think that this is something that we don't always recognize needs to be a life edit. And we don't even know necessarily how to go through it. What would you guys say to that in terms of like, I don't know, I'm throwing it to you. Like you're the expert. How do we break up with bad <laughs> friends? But, but it's true because a lot of people get really stuck, really stuck in that part of transition. And I'm somebody who's had, I call them friend divorces. And I call them friend divorces because I think they need to be considered in almost the extreme of how big of a shift they can be in life. And we often hear the word divorce as like a really negative thing. For me, it was a positive one. It created really good change and it was a great life edit for me. It was a fantastic life edit. Not like flashing cards like, hey, got a divorce. It's the best thing ever. But it can really, for some and for some circumstances, it can be. And I would say the same for friendship because friendship can be a really hard thing when we have grown up romanticizing long-term friendships, long-term relationships. We just get really stuck in places with people not really knowing how do you really get out of that. So I'd love to kind of throw that to you guys and ask you, how do we life edit ourselves out of toxic friendships? It's huge. I mean, that's such a, you know, it's a topic that we talk about often, especially as we evolve and grow. And even when I moved to Los Angeles, I had this deep insecurity and I still have this deep insecurity. Like 
I have so many amazing friends in the cities that I've lived, New York, Chicago, LA, and you know, some from college, but I've, I only have one friend that's been a friend for me for a long time. And it makes me really insecure to think about those people that have had that like, you know, movie-like relationship with girls where they have four girlfriends they've been friends with since they were two and they'll always be friends and all these things. And, you know, I was like, what's better that I have these friends for these chapters of my life that have really seen me and supported me in my evolution or having these friends that I would have since I was young. And, and I still don't know what's better, but for toxic friendships, I mean, I think female relationship breakups are actually been some of the most heartbreaking things in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I can think of my my male relationships and it's like, it's much cleaner for me in the breakups because I'm like, oh, got to break up, you know, because it, was, it wasn't a fit for me and I'm going to find another man, and whatever. But females, it's like, oh, the depth to which you have female friendships and the depth to which you trust females and you rely on them and you share everything with them is so intimate. And I still have, you know, female friends that we've broken up with and we've, you know, no longer speak and it still pains me to this day that I really think about it. But I always have to come back to like honoring of myself and my path first. And I always think too, like, why would I be friends with every single person I was friends with in kindergarten? You know, you can't take every single person along with you for the rest of your life. That wouldn't even make sense. And that it's really like, they have to be these people that are going to support you along your journey of who you are today and who you are tomorrow, rather than like the person that you were previously. Because I think a lot of people, you know, I grew up in a small town in Ohio. So a lot of the people that I grew up with have a different mentality about the way they move in life. And it's like that for me felt like everyone was holding me back or really judgmental about the person that I wanted to become because becoming a podcaster, becoming someone that lives in LA has all these stipulations and ideas. So the judgments almost would have limited me and I would have became what they wanted me to be rather than what I was meant to be if I didn't honor myself. Ah, oh, that's so powerful. And just about the kindergarten thing too, I always think about this. Do you remember how weird kids were? Like, do you remember being on playgrounds and like kids were weird as heck and we just accepted them. We're just like, yep, that's just who they are. And I think that's why sometimes people carry through with us for so long is because we just didn't have this form of like, you know what? That weirdness doesn't actually work for me. And I think as adults, sometimes it feels harder to make relationships work because we actually don't accept like different things about each other anymore. Like we did when we were five and it didn't matter if you were weird. It didn't matter if you like said that one thing. I think as adults, we kind of refine our tastes a little bit and it gets a little bit harder and almost a little bit better because we get a lot more intentional. Today's episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. I don't know about you, but I find it's increasingly important for me to find ways to almost enjoy staying hydrated throughout the day, carrying around insulated water bottles, using a reusable straw, all of these things that kind of lend themselves to the experience of staying hydrated. Because believe it or not, dehydration occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving brings you as much hydration as two to three water bottles. I have a huge love for Liquid IV Lemon Lime, but it's become increasingly important for me to have it every single day because as my days get busier, I'm finding that's the one thing I'm still struggling with is just remembering to stay hydrated and knowing that Liquid IV really lends itself to 
to kind of reducing the chances of me getting dehydrated makes me feel really good about that. I also enjoy the taste so much. I find when I am hydrated really well, I know I'm getting better sleep. I know I'm feeling better all around. And I have actually really noticed a difference after integrating it in terms of how I feel even in my energy levels throughout the day. So like I said, one serving of liquid IV provides the same hydration as two to three water bottles alone. It also contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange and as much potassium as a banana. It's healthier than sugary sport drinks with no artificial flavors or preservatives and less sugar than an apple. It's made with clean ingredients, non-GMO, vegan, free of gluten, dairy, and soy, basically everything I'm allergic to. But what makes Liquid IV so effective? Cellular transport technology. Yes, that sounds big and complicated, but let me explain. It is the optimal ratio of glucose, sodium, and potassium, which delivers your water nutrients into the bloodstream. It's the perfect balance to help you hydrate more quickly and effectively than water alone. All you have to do is add one stick of liquid IV into 16 ounces of water, and there you go. You've got just as much hydration as two to three bottles of plain water. But liquid IV is also on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 2.3 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code PAPAYA at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use the code PAPAYA at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code PAPAYA. Now let's go back to the show. Lindsay, what about you? Like, how has it been for you in terms of friendships? Have you ever had, you know, friend breakups? You know, we were just talking before about just kind of our evolution with female friendships. And Mm -hmm. it's just been interesting how the podcast has been very healing for me um, as far as female friendships, because I had like a, just a bullying experience being bullied in middle school, high school, just verbal bullying. I just think from that point on, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't really trust women. And so, you know, any time that I did or was able to get close to someone and trust them and really invest in the friendship, if it ever went to a place where it wasn't supporting my evolution or their evolution, it was really hard for me to make that decision to quote unquote break up. Mm. Um, I think that it's because as women, no, we're just like natural nurturers. And so like, it really felt like to me, like I can't abandon them, right? Like I tended to be like the advice giver to a lot of my friends for quite some time. And I had a few friends who were just like not taking advice at all, like doing the opposite and wondering why their life was kind of still in shambles. Not that my advice was the right advice all the time, but I just got frustrated. I was like, whoa, this is a real energy suck. And so you know, when I moved to LA, I had to make some decisions around those relationships that I was going to create distance and not necessarily lean on them as hard or put as much time and energy into them. And it, I just noticed that I had more to give. I didn't realize how much I was giving in those relationships that didn't give me as much back. That's actually a really good point. And I think a lot of times when we talk about 
you know, we, we hear things like extrovert and introvert and stuff like that. And we, and we use that as like, that's how we are based on like our experiences in the world. And a couple of years ago, somebody said to me, I think you actually might be an amnivert. And I was like, well, what the hell is that? And it's like, <laughs> well, you actually get recharged by people and then you get recharged alone. You can have both. Mm. And I was like, yeah, that actually makes a lot more sense. But then the more I spent with that line of thinking, the more I realized that certain people gave me energy and certain people took it away. Yes. And paying attention to that literally changed my life because, and not to just say, because there, there are people and there are times, especially like I've been the person who was the energy suck. When I was going through my divorce, I lost a lot of friends because you know what? I I had nothing to give. I had nothing to give anybody. I was poor. I was working two jobs and I had zero energy. And all of that energy was going to just holding my shit together just by a thread. So... I completely now coming out of that understand and have grace for the fact that like some people are going to have seasons of being energy sucks, but consistently, I think you can, as we become more aware, we can start to see the relationships that really build us up and that really empower us. And the ones that, you know, I think for a lot of women, we can notice it when there's something really good in our life and we feel weird to say it. We feel weird to announce it to our friends because we almost feel apologetic or we're not sure how they're going to respond when you come out of being in a dark place or you're no longer the person that needs, what if you're the person that's, you know, in a better place? Will those power dynamics start to come into play? And there's a lot of psychology around that and why sometimes chapters have to close on friendships. But we know that friendships and relationships really aren't the only types of life edits. What other kind of life edits do you guys kind of like have you talked about and go through? Because, you know, with like a year's worth of podcasts in the banks, there's totally a ton that you guys have talked about and covered before. But I mean, everything from bad habits, technology, what are some other life edits that you found have really changed your day-to-day? I love the toxic friendship ones. I think that's like such a deep, deep one. Um, I think for me, one of the ones that I really love is the um, technology one and the relationship with social media. You know, whether that is the awareness of who I'm following, why I'm following them and how I feel about following them and prioritizing myself over, you know, anyone being hurt that I'm not following them or engaging with their content. And then also too, just being mindful of like, the fact that like my digital presence is an entity and a thing on its own and being mindful of like what that represents and if it represents me in an authentic way and knowing that it doesn't have to represent me fully. It doesn't need to be every single thing I'm thinking, doing, saying, feeling, but it does need to feel like an authentic representation of me. We'll also do things with like going, this is silly and this is tactical, but with the life edit, going through like your old tweets from like, 2010, 2011, 2012, like just being mindful of like kind of like what you were saying, what you were doing, whether that's on Facebook, photos, just really understanding that like your digital presence lives on forever. And I think people are really seeing that now. And so by cleaning that up and clearing that up and just making sure it's a representation of you today, I think is really, really good. I'm very affected by my space. So this is kind of an obvious edit, but it's like, just cleaning and clearing my space, whether it's the drawers, the closet, like it just makes, I mean, I'm sure everyone out there is like, yes, I get it. When, like, when, you, clean the, when you clean your closet, you're like, oh my God, I, I think I just had an yes. orgasm. Like it's so satisfying and you don't necessarily realize the energetic space that things are taking up. Yes. And so I really like a minimal 
like style overall. And so I notice that when I'm starting to pile up, whether it's clothes or things or, you know, collecting a lot of like yoga pants or underwear, I'm like, okay, what's happening here? You know, it's almost like I can definitely connect it to some, you know, emotional holes that I might be feeling. So one, it's like taking stock of what I need, what I've been wearing consistently keeping that, but what I haven't worn, if I haven't worn yeah. it in like a month or two, it's out. And then just being mindful this, I mean, quarantine has taught me so much. I need so like two outfits. No joke. Honestly, I need two yes. outfits. I don't need, I don't need all, all the jewelry and the this and the that and the shoes. And I'm like, oh my God, like mm-hmm. I can just have a very simple uniform and be so happy. Also, as you're editing and you like have the opportunity maybe to donate clothes or things, it just feels so good. It's like recycling, you know, something you've loved and passing it on to someone else and also, you know, saving the environment as well. So yeah, yeah, that's an important one. My life is a junk drawer. So that was like, I needed to hear that. No, no my whole life. <laughs> every nook and cranny is shoved with something piled with everything and I'm constantly stressed out. So right now is so bad because you can't donate stuff. Like I can't donate right now. So I literally have a room that it's a junk drawer room. It's just full of things to donate. But that's so important for me to hear. Like when you said that you're right, like that's one thing that quarantine has really taught us is like, do we really need 20 pairs of jeans? No, we probably need two. One dark wash, one light, maybe a black. We need like all our yoga <laughs> pants, whatever. We need like a week's worth of that. But like we're constantly, this is the thing that always fascinates me is that storage didn't exist in older generations. It was never a thing. And now storage is one of like the most booming industries because we literally cannot, we're never happy in a small space anymore. We can't exist in small spaces. I'm in Canada, bigger homes are a little bit, I'm in the suburbs, a bigger home is a little bit more normalized. I just moved from a home, a third of my size into this one when we got married. And then we just took over the basement apartment and we're still like, oh, like, what are we going to do for space and for storage? And that's such a, that's such a good thing to think about when we talk about life editing is where's the chaos and why are we doing it? Like, why are we, why are we collecting? What validation are we looking for? Why are we needing that thing? And I think on social media, it can be really hard because you're like, you can't post the same thing twice. Can't go to the same event wearing the same thing twice. And why do we think that? Like, why is that a thing? And and really kind of pushing back on that. I, I don't even know how many times I've gone to an event or something and I ended up spending $500 that I didn't have to impress a room of people that I didn't know just to go home and feel like crap about ever spending it in the first place. Yeah. And, yeah. and not really even enjoying yourself. You know what we should do yeah. is we should just start posting with the same like tank top or t-shirt for every single post. I'm down. And we should hashtag it and <laughs> go viral. I live <laughs> with the life edit too. It's like with the closet, what I did at the beginning was like, I was really honest about what size my clothes were in my closet and what size I am today. And I had so many, so much clothes that were like me in college, me the first mm-hmm. year out of college, me two sizes before. Editing your life too is like really honest. Like I'm going to be really honest and not judge myself, not shame myself, but be honest that I'm probably not going to wear that size anymore and that's okay. Yeah. So like, let's let go of that and make more space for like the person that I am today and whatever size clothes she's wearing. Oh, uh, I love that. I legitimately just had to go through a little bit of that. Like my body has changed a gajillion times over the last, like I've swung a hundred pounds and now I'm pregnant. So it's like, 
a lot. It's a lot of change. And we really hold on to like grief, right? We hold on to those pieces. And I think especially the one common thing that we've always heard is like that high school genes or those pre-baby body things. And you forget and you forget to honor the fact that your body has actually grown in a respectful, correct way. It has actually done its damn job and it's done it for a reason. The reason our metabolism is so much faster when we're younger is because we're actually growing and we need that speed of energy. And then as we get older, it slows down to meet that pace of life. When we have children, our hips rotate by inches, like inches they rotate. Why would we ever try and put pain to our bodies and make ourselves fit into something when clothes were designed to fit our bodies. We weren't meant to fit into something that's not meant to fit us. So I love that idea of really working through things in a way of like, what is serving you? And if it's not serving you, then why are we serving it? Why are we giving it space? Why is it paying rent in our life? But Krista, you have been on a huge body acceptance journey, and I know you've had several podcast episodes about it, talking about it, but I'd love for you to kind of share with our audience, you know, what's kind of gone on for you. I know there's been some hormone healing, And that's been a big part of like your body story as well. But you just touched on that. There's been changes. What's gone on for you and how's that journey been? Yeah, it's like the whole life journey. You know, it's been something that I would always call like my, like almost like a dark passenger, like, you know, Dexter. Mm. Um, I felt like it was always that conversation that was also going on in my head, no matter where I was or what I was doing. And at times it would feel like it would consume me so much where I didn't know where I began and where the conversation about what I ate that day, what I was going to eat that night, if I worked out, how many calories it was, what I needed to do to be a smaller size, whatever, would ever end. And it was something that was in my family as well. You know, my mother also really, really struggled with eating and I've had it just in my in my whole life. So I did diet pills. I would take other people's prescriptions to try and lose weight. I would do drugs to try and lose weight. I would basically do anything and everything. And I started doing that from a really young age in college, like played around with disordered eating, never really was in like a full-blown eating disorder, but was always disordered my whole life. And then, you know, the abuse of the prescriptions and the diet pills caused to have adrenal fatigue. I was in New York auditioning for Soul Cycle, and I had to get as thin as possible, as little as possible. And I did that, you know, of course, but once you get there, it's not enough. It's, you know, you need to see, I needed to like be a certain size. I needed to like see definition, all of these things. But I did it by taking diet pills, you know, abusing diet pills and pre-workouts and all these things. So once I moved to LA, my body just completely rejected it. And I, um, you know, put on a bunch of weight. My adrenal fatigue was so bad. I, I couldn't really leave the bed. I had tons of cravings and almost was in a depression because I felt like my body had turned against me. But it ended up being, you know, the most healing thing for me to have to really force me to listen to my body and to really listen and look at the relationship that I had with my body, the hate that I had for my body, just how much energy I spent on thinking about what I looked like, which almost grosses me out because it feels like it's like narcissism in a way where it would just be like so much thought to it. But it's been, you know, five or six years since and through meditation and through just really conscious conversations with myself and therapy and journaling and slowing down and all these things, I feel better than ever. I'm, I'm bigger than I ever have been, um, but I truly feel more at home in my body you know, than ever before. And it's, it's honestly the most beautiful thing because I never felt like I would be here. I always felt like I would have that issue. Like I'm always going to have this. So it just feels so good. And 
yeah, my hope and wish is for everyone to feel feel like that in your body. And I think you do so well at, at really encouraging that for people, just watching your story. Giving yourself permission to take up space is, is one of the harder things. When I was at my lowest, I remember thinking like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be enough. Like I'm in a size zero. How am I going to, I'm still not happy. And there's nowhere further to go. And it kind of, the one thing that was really interesting about what you just said is I drove my body into the ground. And the moment I started going through healing, I knew I would gain weight. Like I knew that that was a reality of what was going to happen. But in that process, I remember I had like stopped dieting and I'd stopped weighing myself and I was just, but it was still kind of like holding on to parts of it. And one month, just out of the blue, I gained like 15 pounds. And I say 15 pounds by like a measurement of like, I went up like two sizes very rapidly. And I went to my naturopath and I was like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I feel like something's wrong. And I wanted the answer to be just like, oh, we'll just put a little something in your juice every morning. And like, you're going to be fine. And off you go. And I was like, I realized that my weight felt very symptomatic. And I was also battling this you know, disordered eating recovery and this body recovery and, and trying to kind of come to this place of body acceptance, but also acknowledging the fact that like, whoa, that just happened really quickly. And I was diagnosed with um, adrenal fatigue, which caused low testosterone. One of the things I had to do was not exercise so much. So suddenly it was like, you need to eat more and you need to exercise less. And that's going to be completely against everything that feels inside to heal your body. And you need to slow down. I remember sitting there and just like tears brimming my eyes and just shaking, being like, how many times am I going to be told this? How many times am I going to be told to slow down, to not create so much stress and chaos in my life, to actually take time with things? And it's been like a year and a half, two years since that. And I've still like, it's a constant practice. It's a constant thing. Now pregnant, I found I was brought back to that same appointment once again, because when you look around the stats of stress around your body and being pregnant, miscarriage is so much higher. There's so many different things that can go wrong with stress. And suddenly I cared so much. I was like, oh my gosh, like I need to be so careful about my stress levels because there is life. And the fact is like, I'm a life, like I'm a person. And I was struggling two and a half years ago. And I don't know that I listened enough and sat with that. I don't know that I slowed down enough. I don't know why it takes sometimes something else or somebody else to suddenly care about these things. But I think this is why what you guys talk about and your podcast in, in its whole really comes into play so much for so many women, because you really talk a lot about listening, but listening to your intuition. But how do we start? Like, how does that even begin for us when it comes to getting to know who we are and paying attention and really, you know, like why you kind of go and take yourself to the doctor in the first place and become an advocate comes from a place of listening. So how can we start listening to our own intuitions? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's been something that I, I think in the last few years, especially just talking to more women and and serving women in this way has, it's just made it so apparent to me how important it is. And I started to just think about like where I lost that. And it's like really early on for me. So it'll be different for everyone. But just very simply, like when I was young, I was constantly asked, like, are you sure? Are you are you sure about that? Like, should you double check? And I think that happens both with parents and in school. And, you know, I, I think the intention is to maybe 
build a, a habit around double checking things and then creating confidence. But what is actually happening is that for me, in my experience, I was just kind of pulled away from that natural, instinctual feeling, that intuitive feeling. And I was asked to kind of look outside of myself like, mom, dad, is that right? Or teacher, yeah, is that right? Like, is it good? And so slowly over time, that just continued to happen because I thought that's how I would become better or become good. And so as an adult now, 32, it's really important for me to be very mindful of where I'm seeking validation and who I'm seeking validation from. And then to be very mindful about turning that energy outward back inward towards myself. And I think it's really helped me to know that it doesn't necessarily have to be right. It doesn't necessarily have to be good or acceptable. But the more that we trust that feeling, like I have a feeling that I should probably... It could be as simple as like walk down the street if you're on a walk and it's like, hmm, my intu- intuition saying walk down the street. And then you run into a friend or you see a beautiful butterfly, whatever it is. Like just those little hits where um, you just follow it, not knowing whether it's good, bad, right or wrong. It's just trusting yourself and it builds this conversation within you, with your soul, whatever you believe in. And it just becomes like this first line of conversation always. So no longer am I like calling a million friends, like what should I do? What should I do? Or you know, calling a bunch of people. It's like, closing my eyes, hand over heart. And it's like taking a deep breath. And it's like, how do I feel? How does this feel? Does this conversation feel good? Did that phone call feel good? Does this opportunity feel like one that's going to support me and what I want to do? Whatever it is, it's really like continuing that conversation within. And it's a practice. You know, it doesn't just like happen overnight. This is like a daily practice. And over time, I think it definitely becomes easier. I have to say, I know we I'm running out of time here and I want to wrap this up, but I I just have to say about you guys, I think what's the most healing in listening to you guys is you actually care about bettering yourselves. You care about this wellness. You care about that inner child that is in you. And that has flowed over into an entire community of people. You guys have a mass following. And in the health and wellness space, that is a hard thing to keep up when when it's not about what you look like. It's about how you feel. And it's about these life edits. And it's about, you know, actually caring about who you are and caring about your life. And I think it's really easy a lot of times as women to get caught up in what's your successes and what are you doing and what's your hustle? I had this conversation with a friend. She's like, the moment that hustle was written in sequins at the craft store, we knew it was over. Once it started hitting <laughs> the the ladies in the craft department, we know it's over for us. Like it has been glamorized so much. And every time I listen to you guys, it's just such an opportunity to remember to slow down and to listen and to do those things. But I, I have a feeling that everyone's going to be like, oh, we went from chaotic Sarah to like, I'm like, even as we're talking, I'm like, look, look at me. I'm talking slower. <laughs> I'll, be, yes, sister. I'll be on your podcast. We're recording on, on yours tomorrow, but I'm, I already was saying to my podcast producer, I'm like, I don't know. I feel like people always tell me they're like, 
I, I honestly thought that I had you on a fast forward and you just were talking that fast. And I'm like, I have to practice because tomorrow I'm going on almost 30. Oh, you're perfect. <laughs> I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to like give a little announcement, a little <laughs> let your people know we'll what they're in for. We'll speed it up. We'll just bring it. We'll bring the heat all three of us. Imagine. That'd be so great. Take a moment, tell everyone where they can find you. If they don't already know who the heck you are, I know a lot of people are somewhat new. I'm actually a new podcast listener. I only started listening to podcasts about two years ago. So when you guys talk about like when you started this, I'm like, that's wild. I didn't even know what a podcast was back then. So I love what you guys are doing. It's so gr- it's so great to get to know you now because you actually have an incredible bank of episodes. You've had incredible guests. One of your biggest episodes being like my one true hero, Glennon Doyle. Like my gosh, she is, I followed her since the mom blog days. So I'm like every, every once in a while, she comments on my Instagram and I'm like, (laughs) she's fantastic. But you guys have had some stellar guests, some stellar episodes. You talk about it all and you do it with your calm, sweet little voices, but let everyone know where they can find you, where they can listen and start to be a part of the Almost 30 community. So you can listen to Almost 30 anywhere. You can listen to podcasts. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, et cetera. We are active on Instagram. It's a really fun place for us to connect with you all at Almost 30 Podcast. We have a shop with a a lot of those self-development resources that I never knew I needed. And so we have courses and workshops and they're just really things that we feel are going to uh, aid people in their evolution and just coming back to themselves. So you can find those at shopalmost30.com. Our regular website is almost30.com. I'm at Lindsay Simsick on Instagram. And I'm at It's Krista. And you don't have to be 30 to listen. Yeah. <laughs> just an FYI for anyone that's FYI. new here over 30. <laughs> well, that would up. suck if it was true. I'm like, <laughs> I'm already 35. You're not kicking me out now. <laughs> I love it. That's another truth. We had no idea this would be anything or else we wouldn't have named it almost 30 because we're obviously over 30. So, <laughs> But go. now you get to live in that forever. It's like when you shop at Forever 21 and you're like, doesn't matter how old I am. Thanks says this. <laughs> I love that. Enjoy that forevermore. Thank you so much. I'm really stoked to come on your podcast as well, but I really love everything you guys are doing and your soothing voices forevermore. <laughs> You're just so sweet. Thank you. Yeah, Sarah. we cannot wait. We've been looking forward to this. So guys, make sure to listen to our episode with her. It's going to be so good. Yeah. I'm excited. I, I'm I'm excited to kind of step into that space with you guys as well. But yeah, for everyone listening, I'm going to have everything in the show notes for you. Check them out. Go and get your wellness on. Let's do some life editing and clearing out all that toxic crap out of our junk drawers <laughs> of life. <laughs> Until next week, we'll see you then. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at The Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.